told the guys back there not to tell them that, not to tell you guys I was filling in this morning so we wouldn't have a mass exodus on our hands. <laughs> oh, well. Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, 44 through 46 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. <clears throat> Jesus uh, <clears throat> is using these two little these two little parables, these two little stories to, uh, to try and teach about the value of the kingdom of heaven and about the value of, um, of eternal life. And he says that it is like a treasure that someone has hidden in a field. And he says that a man found it and because he's so happy about finding it and it's such a great treasure, he goes out and he sells everything that he has and he buys the field. <clears throat> he evidently didn't own the field to start with, so the treasure that was in it belonged to someone else. And he's just so happy over this treasure that he goes out and he sells everything that he has, and he buys the field, not because he wants the field, but because he wants the treasure that's in the field. It's not because he wants that field, he just wants the treasure. He wants the treasure that's in the field. And then he says that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant that is seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value... He went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. And I know that, I know that we've, heard, uh, we've heard these verses over and over. Um, they're very convicting if you will let them uh, settle into your mind for just a little while. Where, where it is that, that we, we place our importance, Jesus said, you can't serve God. And mammon, you can't serve God in this world because it's impossible to serve two masters. You'll, you'll love one and you'll hate the other one. I don't, I don't know if you've ever listened to anyone talk about trying to do, do two jobs or do three jobs and say I'm not really good at any one of them because I'm so spread out. And, and that's the way it is being a child of God and getting caught up in this world. And it's so easy to get caught up in this world. So easy to get caught up in this world. We, we will get caught up in the world, and where our, where our heart is, that's where our treasure is. And it will be evident uh, by the way we conduct ourselves, the things that are important to us, what we give our money, what we give our time to, where our heart is is actually at somebody had a somebody had a little post uh, last week and I've seen it before um, the man comes into the 
to the police station and he says, uh, my wife is missing. She went shopping this morning and she hasn't come back. And so they asked to, uh, to describe um, what she was wearing. And he said, well, I, I really can't remember. Said, you know, it, probably some kind of slacks and a, and a blouse or something, but I, I really don't remember. And asked several other things about his wife, but he just really couldn't remember any details. And said, well, what was she driving? Well, she was driving a 2001 Ford F-150 red, two-tone red and white. And he just started listing all the, and the officer said, sir, we'll have your truck back for you tonight. Don't worry. So it wasn't, he was worried about his wife. He was worried about where's my truck. That's, that's where his, that's where his heart was. And, and I wonder sometimes when God looks at me, because he knows my heart, I wonder when he looks at me what, what he sees, where my heart is actually at. And it's, it's very convicting. And I, I, I really don't have time um, to, uh, to judge anyone else. I need to look at myself and figure out where my heart is at, figure out what's most important to me. There's, there's something that's being offered here by God. It's not being pressed upon us. It's not being forced upon us. It's being offered by God. And that is eternal life. And it's, it's really kind of hard for us to understand eternal life. I guess, I guess the only way we can understand eternal life is when we look at this life and we look at the effort that we put forth to sustaining physical life. The money and the time and the effort that is is involved in just in the in the fields of science and medicine to make us better and to make us feel better and to cause us to live longer tons of time and money and effort put put into those things and and we're living i guess on an average longer than uh, than man has in a long time except when you look back um, to the book of genesis but that life, it, the physical life is going to end. God is offering us eternal life. It can't even be described by the writers. They try to describe it. We're, we're studying the book of Revelation on, on Sunday night. Um, John tries to describe heaven to the best of his ability. Paul says that he was caught up into the third heaven. And he said that he heard things there that it isn't even lawful for a man to talk about. He also said that it has not, that the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard, and it's not entered into the mind, into the heart of a man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. In, in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, <clears throat> And, uh, and down to verse 38. It says, He summoned the multitude with his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, 
Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. <clears throat> Jesus said that if you want to come after him, then you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. If you go on a diet, <clears throat> you deny yourself, don't you? Right? Because that's why it's called a diet. Because I'm not eating the stuff that I'd really like to be eating, and I'm not eating in the quantity that I would like to eat it in, so I'm denying myself. Because if I wasn't on a diet, I'd just be forking it in, because I want it. You know, you know how we eat. We eat till we've eaten enough, and then we eat more but just because it tastes good. Because it's, it's pleasing to us. We indulge ourselves. And Jesus said, if you want to <clears throat> come after me, we've got to learn to deny ourselves and to take up our cross and follow him. I've got this, uh, I've got this trailer. <clears throat> I've got this trailer at home that's 16 foot long, and I, and I build it four foot high sideboard around it and I take it to the sawmill and I get it filled up with sawdust I used to scoop it out onto the ground when I got home but I, I've stopped doing that because I really hate that job it, it takes a long time it's not a dump trailer I just scoop it off with a corn scoop <clears throat> but if I need my trailer I've got to unload it <clears throat> but I used to you know on, on the back of it the first eight foot wasn't too bad because I wasn't too far from the back of the trailer but the farther I got to the front and the farther I had to throw it, the harder the job became. And if it was hot outside, I would get to thinking, boy, I want a drink of water. And I found out that the only way I was going to get that trailer unloaded was to deny myself. Because if I kept doing all the stuff that kept coming into my mind, I was never going to, like, take a rest, take a breather, <laughs> go sit in the shade. It's hot. I've, that's all I'd have got done. I'd have thrown two or three scoops, you know, and the longer you're out there and the more you're sweating and the hotter you get, the more you want to go sit in the shade. And so I used to tell myself, <clears throat> when I got the feeling like I just couldn't scoop anymore, I'd say, Scoop 25 scoops, and you can lean over there on the sideboard. Seriously, that's what I did. And then I would go, scoop 25 more, and you can get down out of here and go over there and stand in the shade for a minute take a drink of water. There's nothing wrong with self-discipline. There's nothing wrong with denying yourself. You know, it's just like... <clears throat> Picking, picking beans. 
I don't know if anybody still picks beans. I know some of you do. But, you know, I've had to train myself, don't look up at the end of the row. <laughs> Just don't do that. Because all you do is go, you know, you, you pick the first row and it's okay. You get halfway into the second one and you start to, oh, man, my back's killing me. You don't look up at the end of the row, no matter how bad you want to. And I would tell myself, I need to go relieve myself. And I said, well, when you get to the end of this row, you can go do that. You know, when we, when we look at our Christianity, that's, that's what Jesus is asking us to do. He's saying to deny yourself. We're full of self-will. We're full of I wants, I need, I must. I got to go here. I got to go there. I got to do this. I got to do that. Jesus says to deny that and take up your cross and follow him. He says if you wish to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you wish to save your life, you're going to lose it. I got this belt buckle at home in the, in the, in the dresser right now. It's, it's a big silver belt buckle. Tammy and the kids got it for me one year. I really wanted it. I keep it in this case. I keep it really nice. It's a, it's a limited edition belt buckle. And it means something to me. It probably wouldn't mean a lot to some other people. But every once in a while I'll think, why am I just keeping that in that dresser? in that case I need to get it out and put it on the belt and wear it what's the point in having it there's no point in having something if you're not going to use it I'm like what am I what am I saving it for because I'm going to die and then (laughs) nobody's going to care anyway if you try to save your life Jesus says you're going to lose it You're going to lose it. And if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels, you will save it. It only becomes evident on the day that we die physically what we've done. It only becomes evident on the day that we die physically what we've done. I read the top five regrets of people on their deathbed yesterday. And they were, you know, I wished I hadn't have denied who I was. I wished I hadn't have worked so much. I wished I'd have spent more time with my, my wife and my children. You know, all those, well, it's too late on your deathbed, isn't it? <laughs> That's just, it's just too late. It's horrible, but it's too late. And Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you need to lose it in this world. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You know, you you just have to stop and think, like, what am I spending my time? What What am I spending my money? What am I spending my energy? What am I so interested, so involved in that I sacrifice God for that thing? 
What is that thing? And what difference will it make the day I'm on my deathbed? I mean, if it's, if it's golf, if it's hunting, if it's, if it's fishing, if it's study, I mean, we could just go on and on. It won't even matter the day we're on our deathbed. What will it matter if you've gained the whole world, but you give up your soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's a good question. What would you give in exchange for your soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What are you going to give in exchange for your soul? Because there's nothing that we have that God wants. There's nothing that we have that doesn't already belong to God anyway. He said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He made everything that we see. There's nothing that we have. In our, in our scripture reading, that rich man, what did he want? A drop of water, just one drop of water. But he couldn't have that. He wanted a little bit of comfort, but he couldn't have that. He wanted someone to go and warn his brothers, but he couldn't have that. The answer he got was remember. That's the part I think that is horrible about that story. What he got was remember. Well, he was remembering. I've got five brothers, and they're going to come here just like I am. If somebody doesn't go and teach them, remember. It won't matter how many trophies are in the trophy case. It won't matter how many awards. It won't matter how, what degree we held. It, it, none of that is going to matter. None of it. Not one scrap of it, not one iota of it will matter. None of it. If you lose your soul. None of it will matter if you lose your soul. In Mark chapter 10 and, uh, and verse 17. <clears throat> and as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and began asking him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. And looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But at these words, 
his face fell, and he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. And that, that's really sad, isn't it? He wanted to know, what, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus told him, but he couldn't do it. He couldn't do that. He couldn't sell everything that he had and give it away and go and follow Jesus. And so he rejected that, but we know what he had in front of him was that one day he would die. You remember Solomon asked him the question? He said, I've done all of these things. You go read the book of Ecclesiastes. He says, I've done all of these things. More wealth than anyone on the face of the earth. More fame, more power, more popular. He had everything. And he said, when I die, what? I don't know if it belonged to a, to a wise man or a fool. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity, says the preacher. I don't know if it will belong to a wise man or a fool. He said, I'm really discouraged about it. Here's a young man that was willing to trade his soul for what he had in this life. He was willing to trade his soul for what he had in this life. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? And looking upon them, Jesus said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. And, and truly they had, hadn't they? Those twelve, they left everything. Remember, Peter was fishing. And they pulled up that great net of fish. And when they got to the shore, what did they do? What did Peter do? He left to follow Jesus. So when he said, I've left everything, he, he was telling the truth. And, he, and he's asking that question. He's trying to get this straight in his mind. He said, I've, I've left everything. We've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or farms for my sake, and for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first." I don't understand fully what, what Jesus meant when he, when he made that statement to Peter, but I believe it. He said, in, there's no one that's, that's left all of these things, but in this life, you're going to receive a hundred times as much 
now in the present age. And maybe we don't experience that because we don't do it. Maybe if we actually left everything, we would experience a hundredfold increase. You know, Steve was talking about our comfort zone last Sunday morning. And there's a lot of truth in that. We get in that comfort zone. I love my comfort zone. You know, and I, I, I look at my life sometimes and I'm like, if you'd have taken a risk here or you'd have taken a risk over there, this would have happened or that or the other. But I would rather stay in my, my little comfort zone. Maybe if we give it all up, that's when we get the hundred times over. That's what he says. And then he says in the next age, we get eternal life. Why not give it up? What difference does it make? You're, you're offering me this little bit against all of this over here. The only problem is, is I don't see it. I, I can't, it's not tangible yet. I, I can't get my hand on it and, and touch it, and I, I can't look at it with my eyes. But it's there, and if, and if, in, if we have enough faith to believe that it's there and to, and to act upon it, then the, the promise is ours. We'll have eternal life. I just want you to think how sad it's going to be if, if our lot is like the rich man and we lift our eyes up in that place of torment and we cannot get out of it. There, there is no way out. There is no turning back. And you know, when, when you think of our society today, it is one of the greatest deceptions of Satan. There's always a way out, isn't there? There's always a way out. I mean, we're so good at finding a way out for people in this world today but when we leave, when we cross from here to the next life, it's sealed. It cannot be changed. It will not be changed because God cannot lie. He cannot lie. If you're here this morning and you are trading your life for what is here in this, this world, our invitation to you is to accept Jesus Christ, eternal life. Let go of this life. Let go of what is going on here. Just, just let go. Just finally let go. You've got all those doubts. You've got all those questions. You've got all those what-ifs and ands and buts and fours. Just forget all of that stuff. Forget all of that. That's the only way it happens anyway. And let go of that. And if you're, just, if you're just playing, if you're just dabbling and, and you're, you're kind of part-time and wishy-washy and you're, you're letting other things get in the way of God, if Jesus is not on the throne, then turn away from that and make him number one. Make him your heart's desire. Only you, only the man that went out in the field, whatever the treasure was, it had great value to him. 
You're the person who knows what's valuable to you. And if eternal life is not valuable to you, you need to really truthfully look at yourself. If we can baptize you into Christ this morning, we would love to do that. And if we could pray with you, we would love to do that while we stand and sing. I stand.